Welcome to An Unknown Adventure. I'm your host, Kimberly Ann. Each week, I'll either be talking to you or interviewing someone about one or more of three exciting topics. Achieving your dreams, no matter how old, young, or infirm you are, minimalism, and unconventional travel. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to AUA podcast number 25. So I'm going to update quickly as the amazing interview with world traveler Sahara ran a little long. So here goes. I have one more month at my day job. May is also my birthday month and I will officially be 55 years old, even though I've been saying I'm 55 for the past few months. And for some weird reason, I do that every single year. I don't know why. Maybe I'm trying my new age on. I don't know. My van build is buzzing along. My personal excitement is that I started a new novel under my first pen name, which is the pen name that I have most of my novels published under. I was inspired by my writing BFF, who told me that my encouragement of her was the reason that her career took off. And it was a really nice and helpful thing that she said to me that I really needed right now in my life. And it was just like, it's just had me flying high for a couple of days. So, and it also motivated me to continue on with a series that I had left off on. So that's exciting and I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun writing it. I also went back to trapeze and I started a weekly aerial silks class and that's been fun. And my favorite ex-boyfriend and I are in communication again. He's coming over next weekend for tea. I have a short plug for remaining friends with exes whenever possible. My male BFF is also an ex and we have the best friendship. It's just amazing. It's a, a different ex, but he's just phenomenal as a friend. And I also love talking to my exes through their dating like experiences and their new relationships. And I love when they come to me for advice and they ask me about things and it feels like I'm giving back in like a sweet and healthy way, both to them and whatever beautiful and strong woman that they're choosing to date or to be with in a long-term relationship. And I just, I love it. It just like, it's really hard to explain because I know that it's not the standard conventional way of doing things. Like most people just break up or have a bad breakup and that's that they never speak again. But I prefer not to do that. And I am in contact with not all of my exes, <laughs> not the ones where the breakup was super, ba- super bad or the ones that I don't like as people, which has happened in the past. But, you know, the ones that I really like as people and it just didn't work out romantically. I love staying friends with them. And the one that I'm seeing next week, it was like, I always say best breakup ever. So, and it was weirdly enough. So anyway, that's all I've got for now. Um, Time for Sahara Lee, who is an incredible woman. She really feels like a sister and her life has been so far has been just extraordinary. And I can't wait to follow her future adventures. So without further ado, let's meet Sahara. (laughs) 
Hi, I am Sahara Lee, and I am presently back in my hometown at the ripe old age of 38, living the dream in my parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) After traveling the world for many years. But yeah, I'm back in, it's called Glens Falls, and it is hometown USA 1948 or 45, one of those. You mean that's when it was founded? No, that's when it was Hometown USA. Like oh. Life Magazine used to do Hometown USA every year. Oh. And, and it was Hometown USA in the 40s, like 45, 48, something like oh. that. Yeah. Now, if you could please tell us how you got there and anything else about your backstory, because your backstory is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I left the first time when I was 15 and I went to Spain on a school trip. And I knew at that moment that I never wanted to come back to the U.S. And yet, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) But circumstances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Circumstances are the name of the game in life. But I left again when I was 17, just after I graduated high school, and went to Colorado to join essentially the circus. There's a group called Up With People. (laughs) And I I didn't want to go to college. Well, I did want to go to college, but I wanted to go for musical theater or natural medicine. And I was sure down on all levels. So I was working as a performer at Six Flags and the magician, I was magician's assistant. (laughs) The the magician, I was telling him my woes one day about my parents won't let me do this. And the school tells me that's not possible. He was like, well, I was in this program called Up With People and we traveled the world and it's a performing arts group. And I went home that night and looked it up and it just so happened Up With People was coming to my town. So I went and I auditioned and I applied and I got in. So three weeks after I graduated high school, I was on a plane west and ended up in Colorado where I was on tour for six months. We did the kind of like the whole Southwest Mm -hmm. and then we did Sweden and Denmark and then we went bankrupt. Oh no. (laughs) And this is 2000, just prior to 2001. And they were like, this is awesome. This would just never happen now. They're like, we can give you your ticket home in March and you can just go home in March because that's when our tour went back to the US. Mm -hmm. We were 22 different countries. So there were people from Japan, from all over Europe, from South America, from the US. And um, and they were like, if you want to go home now, you can change your ticket for $25. Wow. (laughs) But I opted to stay in Europe. So from like January until March, I traveled around and visited my castmates and visited some places I wanted to see and ate some really horrific hostel breakfasts. (laughs) I then came home and, you know, busted my ass for six months, not even. And then just after 9-11, moved to New York City. And I was actually supposed to um, be in school right across from the World Trade Center. But as I do multiple times in my life, I apply for school, get in and don't go. So I, I didn't end up going. And then, but I did go down just after 9-11 to move down there to pursue my dream of being a professional dancer. So yeah, I got to New York, lived the dream with the cockroaches and the rats, the size of small dogs. Oh yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I, I was working a little bit as a dancer and a little bit as a bartender and a little bit as a bartender who also is a performer on like a dinner cruise. I also worked in the original Coyote Ugly, which was called The Village Idiot. Ooh. I was totally underage. I had a shaved head and I would stock the bar between the girl of the day shift and the night shift. So I made stupid money. I made like $400 in three hours. Wow. It was insane. And my shtick, the girl I worked with, her shtick was showing her boobs. I was a professional dancer. I didn't have any boobs. <laughs> so my shtick was I would come out with these 50 pound bags of ice and lift them over my head and do like 10 shoulder presses. And guys would give me money for it. And then they'd be like, I bet you can't do 10 more. And I'd be like, double or nothing, boo. Cool. That's awesome. So I, I essentially went to the gym and got paid yeah. and got money thrown at me. So it was cool. great. But yeah, I've, from there, I moved west to San Francisco. I was there for eight years and traveled for, because I'm in uh, natural medicine, traveled during that time to study medicine outside of the country. Got divorced, well, got married, got divorced, moved to Hawaii, lived there for two years, and then sold everything and put the rest in storage and moved around the world. I just kept going west for four years and ended up back in Hawaii for three more and then moved to Sweden last year and then just moved home two months ago. Oh, (laughs) I am. Oh, it's recent. Yeah, I actually got back. I, I did a gig. I left Sweden to do a gig in, in the Bahamas because I'm like a for hire private wellness person. So I got flown to the Bahamas to do a week on a yacht with a family. And then because of COVID, they were like, you know, you're already COVID free. Why don't you come back with us to California and work with us for an indefinite amount of time more? So I went to California for two weeks, which is awesome to be down like back in California. Like I was so happy. Um, so I only just got back to New York, January 18th. Mm. So it has been a month. And why did you go back to New York instead of going back to Sweden? Cause I'm not a resident, a legal resident, even though I have residency papers in, I'm not a legal resident. So I'm locked out essentially. There's loopholes to get back in, but at this point it's so hard. You can't go directly into Sweden. You have to go through another country and all the countries have got all these rules and regulations right now. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much like get a a COVID test within 48 hours before you leave, Mm -hmm. which costs quite a bit. And then most places are actually requiring another test, a rapid test within four hours of boarding your flight. Wow. So very expensive. It costs more in in COVID tests than the flight. Wow. That's (laughs) crazy. Yeah. So I'm just kind of in limbo hanging out with my dad. (laughs) And what were you doing in Sweden? Nothing. Oh, nice. I I went there. I was in a relationship, but also Sweden's kind of been my home of the heart for a long time. I've been going there for 20 years and my best friend is there and her Mm. husband and her three kids and her youngest daughter is my goddaughter. So I pretty much just live there as often as I can. But yeah, I went there on a six month visa with Mm -hmm. the intentions of doing what I normally do. The summertime is the Mediterranean season for what I do. So Mm -hmm. if people are going to be hiring out a private wellness consultant, 
they'll do it in the Mediterranean in the summer and the Caribbean in the winter. Mm. So my plan was I left in March because COVID happened and killed the winter season in the Caribbean. So I went to Europe early and got there thinking, ah, this will all blow over by summer. <laughs> uh, not so much. And I'm not legal to work in Sweden. So I was essentially just a housewife, which I mean, not just a housewife, that is far harder than the work I normally do, raising kids and taking care of the house. But that was in a second language, or really a third language. Yeah, it was wild. And so by the time they called me in December, it was a last minute thing. This family who's worked with me before was like, we need a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) where we've managed to get a boat down in the Caribbean. Can you meet us? I said, hell yeah. I haven't worked in 15 months. I will be right there. Wow. I love the Bahamas. Yes. I mean, I've only been to Grand Bahama, but I just loved it. Yeah. It's beautiful. The weather was kind of crap when I was there this time, but I've been coming from Sweden. So it was still really warm. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) Compared to what I was used to. Wow. And so what other two languages? I speak Spanish. somewhat and Swedish. Swedish. I can get by on a lot of languages because I've been traveling for so many years. I won't starve in most places and I can keep kids alive in Swedish and Cantonese and French and Spanish, multiple languages that I can keep a child alive for at least 24 hours. Well, that's great. (laughs) Cantonese is not an easy language. So no, no. But when I was married in San Francisco, my, my husband was Cantonese. So Uh, all all of my nieces and nephews were that spoke Cantonese. Mm -hmm. So it it was a very natural thing. Yeah. Wow. Can you, cause I saw that you were teaching aerial dance. So like we have a little bit of a commonality and that I'm an aerialist and uh, an acupuncturist. Oh, so, wow. The two A's. <laughs> and you are looking to downsize and travel the world. Exactly. So. Yeah. We have a lot in common. There's yeah. more than just a little overlap. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So yeah. Can you speak a little bit about the um, teaching the aerial dance? Yeah. That's actually what in- inspired. Eh, I guess you, was I inspired or was I forced into it? I don't know. The travel. So I was teaching aerial dance at a place in Honolulu mm. and my rigging failed. <laughs> while I was yes. teaching right. and I fell. And even though I was super lucky, I had just been upside down and I flipped up and hopped out to go help a student. And as I jumped back into my silk, my rigging fell out of the ceiling. And I'm so lucky because I don't remember any of it. I don't remember the fall wow. at all. I remember jumping up to get into my silk. And then I just remember blackness, pain, and people screaming. And how high were you? I wasn't super high. I was high enough to jump into four yeah. or five feet. Yeah. Not super high. But so I landed in essentially like Dandasana. So sitting on my butt, legs straight out in front of me, but was knocked unconscious from the shock going wow. through my spine. Oh my God. And then I had three points of compression in my spine. And the one in the cervical spine ended up cutting the use of my hands. So my middle fingers stopped working and they would swell about three or four times their size and they'd lock closed and they'd lock open, which as a massage therapist and as an aerialist is a real, yeah, you really can't. That sounds like dystonia. They, they had no idea. Nobody could give me an answer. Wow. Nobody could tell me they were just like, eh, it'll work itself out eventually. (laughs) 
and did it. Okay. It it took five years, but yeah. Yeah. So it's it fun fact, it's cheaper to travel the world per month than it is to live in Honolulu when you're not working. Yeah. I had a incredibly cheap apartment. I paid like twelve hundred dollars for a two bedroom that I had my clinic in essentially where I did my massage and Ayurveda. But when I couldn't do that. I was like, I'm just blowing. If your rent is is $1,200 and you got to eat on top of it and gas and everything, you're, you know, gas at that point was over $4 a gallon. Yeah. So, so I was living cheap for Hawaii, but I was just like, what am I doing? My f- a friend was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to Malaysia for a wedding. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, yeah. And I had agreed to that months prior to the trip. And I decided to sell my stuff and move on to a farm for a while. And I was the private chef on a farm. And then I just decided, screw it. I think I'm just going to travel. Like I'm already going to be in Malaysia. I might as well. I love Thailand. Her and I had been like, let's go to Thailand. So we flew into Singapore. We did the whole Kuala Lumpur area. And then we went to Thailand after the wedding and Then I decided I had a a friend I met in India who was from Spain, who was living in Perth. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, And I hadn't seen her in years. And so I was like, well, why don't I fly down and spend Christmas with you? She was like, yeah, because I left on like Thanksgiving. Mm, Okay. Um, So we we did all of that. And then I went to Perth and I, she worked at a spa. She was an esthetician and also a masseuse Mm -hmm. and being holiday time, the owner of the spa was like, bring your friend. Mm-hmm. So I worked at a super high-end spa in Perth for almost a month. And they offered me a year-long visa if I wanted to stay and do it legal. But it was slave labor. Yeah. It was insane. It was yeah. like making about $25 an hour cash. So it was a little bit better because it was all under the table. But when I was on payroll, it was not going to be great. But it was crazy because I would work 12-hour days. Yeah. And our schedule was massages and treatments were in 50 minute blocks, which is normal. Right. And, but you were not in the same room all day. So I would have different treatments in different rooms. I'd be switching. So during that 10 minutes, I would have to get a client off the table, get a one room cleaned and changed out. No. Get another room prepped. No. (laughs) But wait, there's more. (laughs) That client that came off the table, I had to feed them. I had to make them coffee, feed them a sandwich of some sort try to sell them on a product Ah. and they wanted the next client on the table on the hour. And I was like, what kind of magician do you think I am? Yeah, no. That's crazy. (laughs) It was great to have the money, but not knowing how well my hands were ever going to be working. Yeah. And doing that kind of work was just murder on the body. Yeah. I would have to pee at 10 o'clock some days and not actually get to pee until six o'clock. It it was just one of the, you get a 30 minute lunch break. You have to literally decide, am I eating or am I peeing? Because I can't do both. Horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I left and I went to Bali and I was just going to be there for a little bit. I was going to do Vipassana and do some cranial sacral training. And hopefully get the cranial sacral to fix my body, mm-hmm. yeah, which it did a little bit. And then I got dengue fever. Oh, no. <laughs> which I have heard is really brutal. Yeah. I mean, the first two days are really all I remember. And it was horrible. And then I was unconscious for a week oh. where my dear friend, she's such a soul sister, Brenda. She's from Ireland and she lives in Spain now. But she was 
my savior during that time. She lived down the street from me and she wow. kept me alive that week. That's crazy. How much longer did you stay in Bali for? I was in Bali for two more months. Wow. And then I went to India and nobody told me. So from having a fever like that, your the skin on your hands and feet peels off ah. afterwards. So they had told me your skin might peel off. So I wasn't concerned when that happened. However, right. two months later, when all of my hair starts falling out in chunks, what handfuls, and I'm in India and I'm going again, I'm alone. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I had some, yeah, my hair started falling out. I went to Vipassana meditation. I ended up with this crazy fever. I ended up hospitalized again. What? And I had no idea how weak I was from dengue at the same time. Right. So crazy. yeah, it's a wild trip. I would like to ask you, what are the responses that you get from other people with your lifestyle? It's, it's, it's twofold. It's really interesting because I feel like I can't win. So when I'm in a good space and I'm having fun and I'm having a blast, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of jealousy. Mm-hmm. that comes forward. And there's a lot of expectation. And I had no idea about that. I had no idea about that for the first, because I traveled for four years straight after that accident. And I, it was two years before I got back to Hawaii and I, I raced sailboats and I did my first race back with everybody. And I sat down with my crew afterwards and was inundated by comments and questions from people. And I recognized For the past two years, people have been following my Instagram, but I was not like an Instagram influencer or anything. It was just like friends. It was just people following me. And I, it really occurred to me like, oh, my experiences affect people and I'm not recognizing that it affects people. And people were really stoked on it. I definitely got a lot of, cause I was in my thirties when this started. I moved to Hawaii when I turned 30, I left Hawaii 33, 32, and I traveled until, I don't know, 36 or something. 35, um, somewhere around there. And there was a lot of expectation for me to always have a good time. Curiosity slash judgment around how am I supporting myself, which was, people just think the worst of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I remember my dad, people always asking my dad and he would make up jokes and then he would tell me about the jokes and, but then he would be like, I don't want to know how you're doing. Like I was a prostitute or something. Right. <laughs> just nothing wrong with being a prostitute. I wasn't. I was just really good at budgeting money mm-hmm. and taking the time to plan mm-hmm. because I discovered very early on when I don't plan and when I don't listen to my intuition, if I'm coming up against a no, if I'm coming up against like nothing's going right, mm-hmm. I have to stop and wait because if I push, shit's going to go south real quick. Right. The universe is telling me to wait. I have to wait. It may not seem right to wait, but I have to wait. Right. So there was a lot of just like excitement slash confusion slash judgment around that. And I still find, cause I still haven't really settled anywhere. And I've just been through like a really gnarly year and a bad breakup, a, mm-hmm. like devastating breakup and feeling like I lost my home and I lost my dream. <laughs> all of this stuff and people being like, I know you're having a rough time, but as much as you're yearning for a home right now, I wish I could leave my kids and my partner and my house and do what you do. Right. 
And it just feels like at no point has anybody, not anybody, like I have a few friends that do meet me in that place, but most people are not willing to meet me in my grief. Right. Right. Nor are they, nor are they willing to meet me in my excitement. Right. Right. So it's a very lonely road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very lonely, like when you're going against society, it's very twofold in the way you're going to be, be responded to because people secretly are excited for you and envy you. And at the same time, they hate you for it. Yeah. Yep. It's like, you're free enough to break away. Congratulations. Oh, and fuck you. Yeah. Isn't that (laughs) weird? It's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird, but I've, I'm finding because I just went through the seven day illness, which is why we had to keep putting this off. And I found something similar in that I, my pain wasn't acknowledged, not respected. And I've, I don't think I've gone to a lot of dark places in my life. This was really dark. And my part of my support group that I thought, oh, these people have my back no matter what, just gone, just ghosted me, just gone, not interested because suddenly I'm not fun or I can't listen to their woes, which whatever their woes are, which I'm not saying they're not real, they couldn't be there for mine. And it was exactly what you're saying. And it was really, really bad. And I'm not even traveling yet. Yeah. And I'm still finding people are really saying they're either really excited that I'm embarking on this or they're really jealous. And they're already like upfront saying that some people, oh, I'm going to live vicariously through you. And some people are like, I hate you for doing this. Yeah. But at least they're being honest. (laughs) I mean, at least you know who they are and you know that because people are going to want to see in your journey, they're going to love the sunsets and the sunrises. Right. But they are not, and this is social media all the way across, yep. like people want to feed off your high, yep. but that when you have blown a flat in the middle of Arizona, in the middle of the night, yep. and there's hyenas, like right. coyotes or whatever the hell's out there right. circling you, you're not going to get that, that support yeah. because yeah. that's not something that pulls them out of their depression that they're using the social media of living vicariously through you to lift them up. It's like, hey, man, your job is to keep me high. Yeah. And I cannot be present for your lows. So people love all the photos that I post of happiness, but they don't show up and they don't see me curled up in a corner of Istanbul airport because my computer just died and I can't get into my email. There's no Wi-Fi and I need my visa and I couldn't print it out because there was nowhere to print crying, sobbing, because right. now I'm being denied entry into a country uh, I don't know where to go. Uh, and I'm begging airline staff to let me borrow their phone, uh, pull up uh, my visa from yeah. my email so they I can show the visa to the customs. Right. They're not there for that. They're not there through getting sexually assaulted twice in 20 minutes uh, in a street. What? You know, they're, they're not, they're not there for all of those experiences when I'm scared for my life, when I've just been robbed, when I've missed a plane or a bus or a train or all of the above and I'm tired and I'm hungry and my body hurts and today fucking sucks. They don't want to see it. Yeah. And it is definitely a, Hey man, you're living the dream. Shut up. Yep. (laughs) I'm not allowed to be human and have human experiences and pain and sorrow and suffering because I have, it's, that's what you get when you break away from the norm, from the box, yeah. from society. When you go against, when you swim in the opposite way that the school is swimming yeah, and you get your tail bit by a shark. Yeah. 
it's that's your, your problem man. yeah ah but oh, cool. the journey it takes to get to that shark they're all like ooh because it helps them get out of their depression of the fact right. that they're not living their dreams right that makes sense i never thought of it that way that makes perfect sense yeah and that wow. is the loneliest part of traveling yeah. when you do it full time when you don't have a normal life when yeah. you don't have that that when you're not a part of just the status quo it's, it's n- the loneliest part is not being a single woman traveling the world. The loneliest part is people that you think love you turning their backs on you in a moment when you just need someone to hear you sob on the phone from across the world. Yeah, exactly. What is wrong with people? <laughs> yeah, it's doesn't crazy. matter how many times you've held space for them. I, yeah, yeah, I learned that. I totally yeah. learned that this last week. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, but so I've you, always you been quite- there for you. They're like, so too bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're the idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Wow. So So do you find like a community, like a nomad, nomadic community that understands? I have people that understand. Actually, that's why I was a little bit late for our meeting today was I met up with a woman who lives 40 minutes from where I am. And I walked into her metaphysical store like five years ago. And we have stayed in contact ever since. And she's gotten into traveling and now she's a travel agent, but she's like, her travel agency is called Revive Travel. And it's like reviving your life Mm -hmm. and traveling from an authentic, inspired place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She raised her kids traveling. And we were talking about like the challenges her kids have coming back into a small town in kind of a Trumpy land, and they have all of this like mind expansive experience. Wow, right. And they come into this place where a lot of people have not even really left New York State. Right. And how shocking that is for the system. So I feel very blessed to have her 40 minutes for me. I can just go and have a couple beers and a sandwich with her. But it is hard still because the people that you love are always, are only a phone call away, but are always a phone call away. Yeah. So, right. Right. So that's hard. It's like, I have pieces of me all over the world, right. But they're all over the world and they they know exactly how I feel and they will call me up and we cry on the phone to each other. We hold that space for each other. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's not as easy as calling up a friend and going to meet and down the street or coming over and having a bottle of wine. (laughs) It's not that easy anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's not that easy now with COVID anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because I do feel like the world is experiencing what it feels like to be a nomad. Yeah. Because as a nomad, at least if you're traveling alone, you are on your own so often. And I can go months without needing to talk to another human. Yeah. (laughs) So when the world locked down, I was like, ooh, I was made for this. And I was in Sweden at the time where we never locked down. So this is essentially my first two months of quarantine. And and, and really, it's my first month because that first month I spent at sea trapped in a boat with 20 people. And then I was in California in my client's home with their whole family. So now it's just me and my dad and three acres of land. (laughs) Just okay. Which is fine because I'm used to that, but I am going through some stuff right now and it would be nice to be able to hug people. I know, right? Living in Sweden, we've been hugging people for the last year. (laughs) And how is that working in Sweden? Because we hear mixed results here. I think, 
I don't think we can actually answer that question for another 10 years, five years. Yeah. Until we know what the side effects are. I know that for me, my experience going from having an open society where everybody was relatively mindful of keeping distance, but still, if you kept your distance and you were respectful coming together and you trusted that people were like, if you were coming to a group event, you trusted that everybody there had taken the proper precautions Mm. here. Yeah, no. Nobody's taking the power. Like you can't trust anybody. No, and that's the thing about America in general. You just can't yep. trust each other. I was home a couple of days and my dad was reading in the paper that a restaurant a little bit North of us had to close down because one of their patrons had tested positive and then wandered in without a mask and eaten and chatted with everybody. And then was like, Oh yeah, I tested positive yesterday. Oh, geez. What is and wrong it's, with people? It's really common. Yeah. It's not an unusual story here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just blatant disrespect and disregard. And that is hashtag the American dream. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, or the American way. So wow. yeah, I, I still stand behind how Sweden's uh. doing it. I think long-term <clears throat> the mental effects are going to be far less. I think yeah. the children are going to be affected. It's yeah. trauma for the kids. There's more abuse happening to children in the home. There's more abuse happening domestic violence wise. Uh. There's more depression. This stuff is that we're not taking into account. We're trying to protect the spread, but but I think our death toll is going to be the same versus suicide, homicide, right? You know, compared to what COVID would be. And it, honestly, if people would just be respectful. I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. Right. So there, I don't know. There's no winning situation. It's a global pandemic. Nobody's going to win. But I do think if people could just be responsible and respectful, we could have an open society where our, where people weren't losing their homes and their jobs and their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, Cause it is like this, it's a different experience. I, I notice my internal joy being on a different level here yeah. than it was in Sweden. Yeah. And it's also like society and you are just more protected in Sweden. If my partner had lost his job due to this, he was, people like socialism so horrible. I'm like, okay. no, but, and I, some, there are some socialist countries that I would say are not necessarily socialist. They're more dictatorship. Yeah. And those are the ones that people love to use as examples. Yep. And like Sweden is not Venezuela, very different worlds. Right. But if my partner had lost his job, he would have been paid 80 to 90% of his salary wow. for a year. He works in theater. Wow. Obviously wow. there's no theater that's been going on. No. So his, so they took the first eight months, nine months and did all of anybody who's worked in theater knows that like you never managed to get everything done that needs to get done. You're always duct taping shit together. Right. So they took those first eight, nine months and essentially fixed the whole theater, did everything, rewired things, redid the whole sound system, the lighting system, everything. And then they went and they were integrated into because they're city workers. He works for a city theater. So integrated in, and now he delivers, they're doing like emergency delivery for medical supplies. Uh So all of the masks and the face shields and the body protection goes to a central location. And then they go and distribute it all throughout all of the Stockholm County. They're supported. And if you're feeling sick at all, stay home. And it used to be the first day, if your kids are sick or you're sick, you don't get paid for that day. But every day afterwards, you get 80% of your salary. Wow. And when COVID happened, they said, you get 80% of your salary. If you feel even a little bit sick, stay home. Right, right. And And people people have an incentive to do that because they're still getting paid. 
they can afford to do it. Yeah. And here it's like, oh, we're feeling sick and you don't get paid. So Mm -hmm. they have to go to work. Yep. So it was just, I think we're not going to really know if it was the right thing to do, but I I think long-term, as far as the the emotional and mental well-being of the country, they are going to be better off than the rest of the world. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Okay. So I want to ask you super quick about, so if you travel so much, do you travel with less? Do you just have a suitcase or what are you doing for that? You get smart and you'll experience this for sure. The it's a layering, it's an onion. It's peeling mm-hmm. back layers. You, you leave the first time with something that you think you absolutely have to have. Right. And then you go, Oh, I guess I didn't need that that bad. Mm-hmm. But then there's things that you might, that for the outside, people might think you're unreasonable to, to travel with that is important to you. Mm-hmm. So I do right. travel consultation for people. I do energy work and like belief work. So I do that with people around traveling, creating travel experiences for themselves. So you travel in the way that's going to feed your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And something I always tell them, I was, I'm like, do not let other people's dictate what's important to you. Right. Yeah. So I travel with a pillow. It is, it takes up space. Yes. I put it in one of those Ziploc squeezy suction mm-hmm. bags mm-hmm. and I travel with that, but I, I never travel without it. Um, and I usually travel with a yoga mat as well. Mm-hmm. Not because I typically do yoga, but it's a really good to have a mat to put down because you mm-hmm. never know where you're going to be. <laughs> and those things have saved me so many times, just having something that's important to you. Like I've traveled for 20 years with a specific crystal that was given to me while I was on tour. And it was given to me by a Danish host mom. And I have maybe spent three or five days ever sleeping without that crystal somewhere in my vicinity. And it's like a, lo- a good luck charm for me now. It's just mm-hmm. what I take with. So I think you you get smart. Yeah. I learned because I was chasing summer. Yeah. I read that. I read your yeah. blog about that. that was I was chasing funny. summer and, and I ended up in Sweden a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So for me, it became a matter of like, I, and I still dress that way. Now I have a lot of summer dresses and I also just put sweaters and leggings on. Right. Some wool wool leggings and a wool sweater and go about my business with my summer dress on. Right. So I don't have a like winter and a summer wardrobe. Like that's how I grew up. I grew up in the North of the United States. Like you, you pack up your summer stuff and you put it in the basement and then you pick out the winter stuff and you, you roll your clothes out. And I don't do that. I have one wardrobe. That's better. That's easier. Yeah. So yeah, you get smart. Do you have a favorite place other than Sweden? I love Greece. It's just gorgeous. I love the food there. I love Italy too. Yeah. I love Italy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Spain and Italy because it's so laid back. Yeah. It's very come as you are, do as you please. Maybe the train will come. Maybe it won't. We don't know. And there's frustrating places about every place. I'm a slow person in the morning. I may get up early, but I'm not necessarily ready to like greet humans before Uh noon. And in Spain and Italy, stuff starts closing at noon for siesta. Right. And banks and post offices don't open up after siesta. Right. (laughs) I found that out the hard way. Yeah. So if you need to send something or do any oh. financial stuff, you need to do it by yep. like 10 or 11. And yep. so, yeah, I mean, everything, every place has its ups and downs and its positives and negatives. And yeah. You just got a place that pick the place where the most positives that make the negatives not 
feel as yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, totally. I totally, I went to Italy with all this stuff to mail. I did that. I did that. And I was like, what do you mean? It's closed. It's two o'clock no. in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's true. Tell me a little bit about your business and how you formulated it and what you do. Okay. So, so I, I was doing massage and yoga and Ayurveda in California. And then in Hawaii, when I got out there along with Ariel. And then when I started traveling, I intended to not be working or studying. That didn't happen. Because along the way, you meet people and they invite you places. So I ended up teaching a lot of Ayurveda workshops and retreats. A lot of vegetarian cooking classes, because the thing Mm -hmm. that I found the biggest need for is that vegetarians don't know how to eat sometimes. True. And especially French vegetarians. I got to France and every meal was just cheese and pasta and bread. And I was like, do you guys poop ever? No. Yeah, because you drink a gallon of coffee every day. That's the only reason you're pooping. So it was, I like to go and teach people, like I'm not a vegetarian, but I like to teach people about vegetables and that vegetables can be delicious and easy and to try to get people to mix more vegetables into their diet. So I I did a lot of that when I was traveling, came home, I wrote a book called The Conscious Alcoholic. Yeah, what is that about? So (laughs) it's drinking for your body type It's essentially taking Uh, Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine, five element theory, and saying, if you're going to drink, do it in a way that balances you. So if you are kapha or earth, go for a vodka or a gin that's going to be, or, you know, bubbles that's going to be uplifting. If you're a lot of like air and wind, Mm -hmm. you don't need those bubbles. You don't need that vodka. So go for a heavy red or whiskey or scotch. Something grounding. Um, Yeah. So just looking at it from that perspective, uh, because- People are going to, that's my big thing in Ayurveda is I try to meet people where they're at. Harm reduction. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Risk management. Yeah. I should start telling people that's what I'm, what do you do for a living? I'm in risk management (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because that's what it is these days. It's the same in Chinese medicine. This stuff was written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. They did not have Facebook and cars and pollution in the way that we do. So we can't be taking those philosophies, those medicinal systems and cookie cuttering them right into 2021. That's not going to work. Right. We have to manipulate the medicine to meet our clients where they are. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's been my passion. And I let it go for a couple of years because I was doing this travel wellness and I didn't let it go. I just wasn't seeing regular clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I had clients that would hire me to come out for a week or two and I just do an intensive with them, mm-hmm. which was awesome because I got to do physiotherapy, yoga, body work, Ayurveda, nutrition, everything. And you get to watch them mold them and they leave 10 days later and they're a different person. Yeah because you've had your hands on them every single day. You don't get that with normal clients. Maybe they come once, if you're lucky, they come once a week, but most of the time it's once a month, once every six months. Yep. And then they're like, I don't know why I'm not seeing results. Right. (laughs) But when you get to have them every single day, yeah, you, that's satisfying for us as client, as practitioners. Yeah, totally. So I was real addicted to that satisfaction mm-hmm. and then COVID happened and that died. I didn't work and I had to think, 
how do I do this? And I'd been wanting to work online for years. Mm-hmm. I'd been traveling, but people, I'm sure you find this in Chinese medicine as well. They want you to be able to touch them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And like checking the pulse is definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but even here, like I can listen to the way you talk. Mm-hmm. I can look at your, your face on video mm-hmm. and see your mannerisms and read your face. Like there's so much information in, in both Ayurveda and Chinese medicine that we mm-hmm. gather just from listening and watching. Yeah. Especially five elements. Yeah. So yeah. the pulse for me is just a way for me to go in and confirm things. Right. But I've already like 98% sure I know what's going on before I ever touch you. Right. Right. So Great. I've, yeah, I've been saying for years, like I can do this distance. (laughs) Right. So now that's the thing that I really think it might be a positive that comes out of this is that people Mm -hmm. recognize I can do yoga online. I can do physiotherapy online. I can do Ayurveda online. I could do Chinese medicine online because they recognize that we have the diagnostic skills to be able to do this. Even without video, I have clients that I didn't talk to the whole time I treated them. It was emails and questionnaires and text messages. Wow. So I, I created a, like my base program, which is just basic Ayurveda. I've done like an educational video on Ayurveda that the client gets. They fill out all their questionnaires. I do a call with them to just get a better understanding of what's going on. I make them a consult. I make them a, a lifestyle plan. Mm-hmm. And then I either call them and give them the plan. Like they get emailed the plan, but then I either call them to explain it to them mm-hmm. or I do a, a video, like a Skype recording and send it to them. And then they try it out. And if there's any issues, we adjust. The second level is with coaching calls. So they get four accountability calls, essentially, Mm -hmm. that are 30 minutes to check in and say, is this working? Is this not working? Okay, let's adjust. Or great, you've gotten to this goal. Let's reevaluate and add more things. And that's what I've used COVID to do is to say, how am I going to work in this world? Right. How can I still be of service? And how can I still love what I do? Right. And it's going to keep evolving. Maybe in a year or two, it'll be different again. Yeah. 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 So that's been like where I've had to shift to because, because I can't just join people on their holidays anymore. Mm. (laughs) Well, not right now. Not right now, eventually. But I like the idea of just because I was limited to essentially working with wealthy people and all that's fun and limitless in many ways. It's not my passion. My passion is helping. I've always said, I don't want to help people who already have it figured out. I want to help the people that have never heard about Ayurveda before. Yeah. And when I wrote my book, the whole first part of it is just five element theory. I didn't want to market to the people that are already doing a ton of yoga and super health conscious Those people will find me on their own, but I wanted to be able to help the people that might have a drinking problem and just want to be able to drink in a healthier manner. And I had so much pushback, so much hate mail. Oh my God, so much hate mail. Cause it's called the conscious alcoholic and people were like, you're like making fun of alcoholism and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, alcoholism has touched and shaped my life in a huge way. I understand how big of an issue and the trauma it can be, but is teaching somebody to be more intentional in their drinking who has a drinking problem better than having no intention at all? Yeah, I'll take it. If I have to meet them there. Right. And it's people that don't want to stop drinking. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I'm trying to meet people where they are. Yeah. And 
and give them the tools they're ready to receive. Right. Instead of being like, oh my God, no. Yeah. Meat is murder and alcohol is a sin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were taught that actually in school. We were taught harm reduction. We were taught meet them where they're at. If they can't give up drinking however much soda they're drinking, then maybe they can give up drinking 10% a day or, or whatever. Because, you know, if you give somebody a million things to do, they're not going to change. Their, it's overwhelming. They can't do it. Yeah, they'll never do it. They'll fail. And then you've taught them that they're not good enough, strong yep. enough. And the only way to heal is baby steps and, and is yeah. to, to spoon feed people. Yeah. True. Yeah. So if you could tell your 10-year-old self, which I already see what you wrote, but uh, if you could tell your, t- your 10 or younger self one piece of advice now, what would it be? The dude's not worth it. <laughs> Has the dude ever been worth it? No, I don't. And I don't think the dudette is worth it either. Yeah. It's, you got to put yourself first. Yeah. And if it compliments, if they compliment your life, fabulous. But I'm seeing in the world and I'm seeing in myself and have been seeing and yeah, that we're not saving ourselves first. Yeah, that's true. And we need to start doing that. We need to start loving ourselves first so that we know our own worth because if, we don't know our own worth. Nobody else is going to know our worth either. That's true. So like if you, if you have to give something up that you don't want to give up to be with somebody or to make them fit in your life, it's probably not going to work out. And if it does work out, you're not going to be happy. Right. <laughs> Only if you're like that. giving things up is great. If you're excited about it, if you're right. like, yeah, you are way more important than that. But or, if if that it's, yeah. or if you were headed that way, or if it's going to, if it's going to enrich your own life. Yeah. Yep. Like when I, you know, found out that I was basically losing my career and losing my apartment, I told my then partner and he dumped me. And so I lost my career, my apartment and my partner all in the same week. And that's more dramatic than it sounds because I'm still working a little bit and I have another four months before I move out of here, but it was really traumatic for me. And before that, I had been trying to figure out how I could move closer to him. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to put my life on hold, my travel dreams, everything just so I can move closer to you. And like, ugh, but that's not even who I am as a person. Like, I don't do stuff like that. And so, you know, it was kind of the universe saying, no, you're not. (laughs) And it's such a gift. It is. Oh, yeah. I was, and, and, and now I, you're on this adventure. I know. And the funny thing is right when it happened, I was, I, my first feeling was relief. And then I yeah. felt guilty. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, sorry. But yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to tell people that I haven't asked? Trust your intuition, trust your instincts. It's the moment every time that I have face planted through life, it has been because I didn't listen to myself. Yeah. Every single time. Yep. Yep. Right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) You can have anything you want in this world as long as you listen, as long as you ask for it. Yeah. And as long as you listen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's good. That's good. That's important. And then can you tell people where to find you? Yeah. So if you go to holisticmojo.com, that is my website. And the upper right hand corner links are like little circle thingies that take you everywhere. My Instagram is where I post all the pictures of the of the thoughts I have and the crazy things I do, which is holistic mojo. My YouTube is where I post yoga classes and oh, thoughts. Cool. 
So that is also Holistic Mojo. My Etsy shop where I do a tincture called Anahata, which helps clear heart chakra, just release cords and help you connect to yourself. That's on Etsy. I do like a hormone harmonizer. My book's on Etsy. Um, You can find the the book is also on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. My Etsy shop is Holistic Mojo. Everything's Holistic Mojo. I teach a class every Monday online, a yoga class. And there's usually a theme. Each month is the working workshop and I do a membership so if you join the membership, you get access to all of the yoga classes, the four yoga classes, their playbacks, my whole yoga library. And then I do three additional videos every month, one for your mind, one for your body and one for your spirit. So just like little mojo bumps. <laughs> I didn't ask you about being a solo female traveler and all of the people always ask about that and they freak out about it. And you said you were sexually accosted. So like, how do you deal with it? And what advice do you give? I think it again comes back to trusting your intuition, just being smart. And it's really about energy. Like the day that I got like accosted twice in the same 20 minutes, it was, I was in Antalya, Turkey, and I was in a cafe and I met this half French, half Iranian I want to say, dude. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me questions about traveling because he was traveling. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, if you want to grab dinner, I'd love, thank you so much for your help. I'd love to just buy you dinner as a thank you, which in the traveler world is like pretty safe and cool, you typically. And I had said, no, I actually have to go. I was supposed to teach a tango class, a tango dance class at night. And I I got home late. So my friends left without me, who were the teachers. So I, text him. I had his Facebook because you make friends. We Facebook connected. We went to dinner. He knew I had a boyfriend. I talked about my boyfriend all night, my boyfriend who was French. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we were just sitting next to the, to water at some point. And he just jumped on me in public and was like all over me. And I pushed him off and he's grabbing at me and I pushed him off and I ran away. And I'm dressed in three quarter length pants, a knee length skirt and a long sleeve shirt. Wow. So I'm modest. And let me tell you, Turkish yeah. women, not modest, gorgeous, gorgeous. Some of the most gorgeous women on the planet yeah. are Turkish. Yeah. yeah. And they flaunt it. I was super modestly dressed and I was shook. Yeah. And I just, I was like, it's a touristy town. It was summer. I wanted to get off the street and I took it, went to go take a, a, a shortcut home through an alley. And the voice inside said, don't. And I, I was like, I just want to be away from people. And I did it. And this man, this Indian man showed up and was walking next to me and asking me all these questions. And he thought I was Indian. So he was like speaking to me in Hindi and I speak a little bit of Hindi. So I was replying and he was like, where are you? You're from India. And thinking I'm modestly dressed, he'll respect me if I'm from India. Yes, I'm from India. What are you doing here? I'm visiting my sister. And he, we walk past the police station and he is like uh, really close to me and and I don't even think to stop at the police. Like I saw it and I yeah. should have just stopped, but yeah. I was in my own shit, which was don't make other people uncomfortable who are making right. you uncomfortable. Try to believe the best in people. And I just kept li- not listening to that voice that said, you're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. My whole body knew I wasn't safe. And then just as I got to, to where I was going to home, he grabbed me and tried to stick his hand up my skirt. And luckily I had my period and a big thick maxi pad on. So it was like, ha ha. He grabs my chest and he grabs my, my, grabs me by the pussy or by the uh, maxi pad. Maxi pad. (laughs) And I managed to get like a swing in and punch and hit him. But then he just laughs and walks away. Ew. 
Yeah. So oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's horrible. Yeah. Uh. But it is again, you have to, as a woman, in, and we know this, we always have to be hypervigilant. Always. When you're, when you're traveling, you just have to be extra aware. And you have to, honestly, I always want to see the best in people. Yeah. You can't. Right. You cannot assume that people are going to be their best people, that men are going to be their best people, because most of the time they're not. They're not. Especially if they catch wind that you are an American woman. Because the, a lot of the world, especially not Western cultures, view Americans as prostitutes. Really? Yes. We ah. are, we, they're, they wow. are depicted through the media and their countries and through porn because then they see porn, it's yeah. American women right. for the most part. Right. So they think that we're just this free thing and we will just have sex with anything. So that's, that's something you have to watch out for. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's yeah you just got to be hyper vigilant and you end up being uncomfortable often like no ac no fan you have to shut the windows to your bungalow because otherwise men are literally you're waking up with men crawling in your room in the middle of the night ah. owners of the place you're staying wow. like, had the owner hanging in my window Ew. staring at me yeah. creepy so you just you got to Hypervigilant, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, I didn't, when I was traveling through Europe, I just didn't go out at night unless I knew somebody that I was meeting a new yep. meet or unless the only place that I felt safe at night was Berlin. Yeah. Carrie Mace. Yeah. If you can, you can't bring it on the plane. You can usually check it. Okay. I put it in like a Ziploc bag, a couple of Ziploc oh, bags. Smart. Or when you go to some place, just you can usually find a spot where you can purchase stuff yeah, like that. Pepper spray, yeah. A little taser or something. Oh, yeah. I've got like three. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to the taser. Isn't that like ridiculous that that's like, yeah, I've got three. I've got them in different colors to match my outfit. Yeah. Yeah. That's our places. reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or one in the car, one in one next to my bed, one, whatever. And I have a lot of different pepper sprays too. Yeah. Because that is, is like, a reality. Yeah, I always kept pepper spray in my massage room. Oh, here's yeah. my sage and here's my crystals and here's my essential oils. There's my pepper spray. There's my taser. <laughs> and as long as you behave yourself, you can have the essential oils. But the minute you don't, you're getting the pepper spray in the face. Okay. <laughs> yep. And you're still paying for the session. Yeah. <laughs> <Double>. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. Wow. Uh, okay. Thank you. I don't want to take up more of your time. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for yeah. having me. And I absolutely, I would love to be an advocate for you. So Aww, connect you. with me. Yay. And if, if you need to cry in the middle of the night while you're changing a tire on the side of the road, call me. Aww, <laughs> vice I, versa. Yay. I will, I will be there for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated. You can find me and more information about AUA on anunknownadventure.com. I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at an unknown adventure. And whether you do or don't, following me there would light up my entire week. 
So remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I can't wait to hear about it. 